When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosher. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> Just standing here, standing like a superhero. <laughs> Rob Why? Ta- Rob taught me a little lesson before you go on uh, to do anything that you need some confidence um, or to build your energy. If you stand like a superhero for yeah. two minutes, yeah. here we go. So we've just been standing in here like superheroes. Yeah. Now we just finished uh, doing that and playing some guitar. It's been a yeah. good, good little break. Jammed a little bit. Played on my new Robert Cray Strat Robert a little Cray bit. Strat. Pretty versatile little Strat. Oh, All yeah. kinds of different little... Uh, Little in, intricacies in Inca silver. Oh yes, beautiful guitar. I love it. So we're having a good day. Yeah. Oh man, really good day. Uh, you know, it's nice. It's a nice day. It's as we record. We're in the middle of December as we're recording this. We'll be dropping we'll be in, it in February, February by the time we by the time we do this. But uh, it's you know it's a nice day. It's not too dark. There's a little sunshine. Uh, but I tell you what happens sometimes uh, when she goes away. Oh man, there it, ain't no sunshine. Ain't no, it's like the sunshine just goes on with her. You know. I know. Um, I know. I, there was a. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh man, there was this guy that wrote a song once. His name was Bill Withers. Oh, and, Billy. Uh, yeah, and he kind of he kind of covered that in long form. You want to listen to a thing let's, about let's it? Let's get. Let's let's hear what he's talking about. All right, let's take a listen. This is "Ain't No Sunshine" by Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away And I know, 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 I so everything the superhero pose and the Robert Cray Strat did to build my happiness and confidence, <laughs> Bill Withers just brought right back down. Just took it away. Goodness gracious. Took it away. This is the most grooving, depressing song. <laughs> <laughs> like it just feels so good. Yeah. It's like I'm it's like I'm super depressed, but man, I don't care. That's right. I got this groove to that, keep me warm. That's you know? right, man. That's so good. Uh, by Bill Withers from the 1971 album, Just As I Am. Not, not the be, gospel album. Yeah, not to be confused. Without one that. plea. Yeah. Um, 
Number three on the Billboard Hot 100, it won the Grammy for Best R&B Song in 1972. It is number 285 on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Songs list. And it reached the top 40 again in 2009, having been covered uh, on American Idol by one of the American Idol finalists. I, I bet I bet old school artists are pretty appreciative of that. You know what I mean? Just a and nice little these, bump in royalties back yeah. in the day. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, my song's in the top 40 again. Like, I did the song 40 years ago, and it's charting again. That's great. You know what I mean? That's nice. Um, Thanks for remembering me, guys. Right, exactly. It's like a, a vacation. You know what I mean? You get a, you get a, just, just a bonus vacation you get a nice little royalty check from american idol for for broadcasting your song and then you know then surely downloads. something from the downloads as a songwriter so um that's pretty nice i think it's 0.7 cents per song per there download we go. so you know it takes a few to amount to to any kind of cash but uh me and yeah. rob are working up towards a quarter Yeah, we are rocking right along here with our Black History Month celebration here on the Great Song Podcast. Uh, Just giving you a little bit of insight into just the tip of the iceberg of the contribution uh, to uh, popular modern music by some of our favorite African-American artists. So uh, Bill Withers is next on our list and Ain't No Sunshine. You got to start there. If you're talking Bill Withers, I guess you could Most go. Most people say lean on me. I guess you got. Yeah, I guess you're going to say you could say lean on me as far as just it's the McDonald's Coca-Cola of Bill Withers <laughs> repertoire. But if I, but I feel like if, if you're a music person, you got to go ain't no sunshine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's the, the groove is everlasting. It is eternal. It is, you, you could leave this on for 10 hours and not get tired of the groove. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You'd get, you'd be so chill too, by the time you got done, <laughs> like it's just so relaxed. Um, let's talk a little bit about the song. Uh, Bill Withers was inspired to write this song after watching the 1962 movie Days of Wine and Roses. It, it's not from that movie. It doesn't necessarily, it's not about that movie, but he, he said in, in reference to the lead characters uh, that they were both alcoholics who were alternately weak and strong. He said it's like going back for seconds on rat poison. <laughs> uh, sometimes you miss things that weren't particularly good for you. That's pretty insightful. Uh, it's just something that crossed my mind from watching that movie and probably something else that happened in my life that I'm not aware of. So it's like, it's like it's encompassed in that lyric. I ought to leave the young thing alone, but there ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Like I just can't, I mm-hmm. can't leave her alone. Uh, even though I know maybe not the best thing for me, you know, whatever, because when she's here, there's just, there's no sunshine basically. I think when she's not here. Yeah. When she's not here. what I say? The opposite? When she's here, there's oh, no sunshine. Yeah. When she she's just here. blocks the sun. Yeah. She's huge. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think we all know what I meant. Come yeah. on now. Uh, Jack Lemon's in that movie. The guy from Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, Jack Lemon. Okay. Out of town. From the original Odd Couple. Odd couple. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, this song was produced by Booker T. Jones, a.k.a. Booker Talaferro Jones Jr., the front man and organist for Booker T. and the MGs. Uh, aside from being a popular act of their own, they were the uh, recording band, the house band for the legendary Memphis, Tennessee label Stax Records. That's S-T-A-X, Stax Records. Originally released as the B-side to his single Harlem, uh, but DJs preferred Ain't No Sunshine. They started playing it instead. So we've heard that a few times over the course mm-hmm. of the show that um, you know the, the B-side, for one reason or another, just didn't resonate with DJs. And, uh, but they found the, I mean, the, the A side didn't, didn't, reg- didn't, yeah, so didn't resonate, don't. but they would uh, start playing the B sides instead and it'd become a mega hit for somebody. So, uh, first of all, good on you DJs who like, okay, well I'm not digging the one song, but they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's see what's let's on the other side. Let's see what we got. Yeah. I wonder if, 
you think that's that probably doesn't still happen, does it? Well, and I was thinking, I wonder if sometimes that you put, whereas a lot of people would put the song that they kind of a throwaway song as a B song, yeah. or if certain people like, I'm going to put one and two as A and B on my album. Yeah. Like, if you don't like A, surely to goodness you're like B. Yeah. Or even in the case of if you think that a DJ has a reputation for doing that, if you're like, I'm going to put my hit as a B in hopes that it'll flip over, I don't know. <laughs> I t- yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, bury the hit a uh-huh. little bit? I'm not sure that I would do that. But, um, but yeah, that's interesting. I, I wonder, you know, in today's musical distribution landscape, I don't imagine that happens. You know what I mean? It's like, well, here's the next digital track. I don't know that you necessarily get a B-side to play. I don't think that really happens Yeah, I, but I wonder how many people, when they write songs, are like, I'm, or they put it on, like, this is going to be my B. Like, you never, every song you think that you write, you're writing yeah. to be an A-side. Yeah. Yeah, you write it to be an A-side, and then I think as an album develops, you kind of go, okay, here are the really strong songs, or here, or in a lot of cases, it's, here are the ones that are more radio-friendly. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, like, uh, AOR, album-oriented rock, you know, on the Heart episode, where you know, certain tracks might be more accessible to radio or, or a little more hooky. You know what I mean? So certain songs that are maybe more story in, story oriented, don't really hit on the radio anymore, but you get songs with a lot of like, ha, 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 wiki, wiki, you know, that's what the kids are listening to. So, um, <laughs> you know, anyway, um, the, I, I never really noticed this before, until researching and then kind of re-listening to the song with fresh ears. But I want to talk a little bit about the I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. We kind of, you know, messed with it as a joke. But first of all, he says it 26, 26 times. times. Yeah, that's, wow. Uh, and it's one of the iconic moments of the song. Um, but it wasn't planned that way. Uh, Bill Withers, in an interview with songfacts.com, said, I wasn't going to do that. And then Booker T said, no, just leave it like that. Uh, I was going to write something there, but there was a general consensus in the studio. It was an interesting thing because I've got all these guys that were already established. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, the band here in a minute, which which was incredible. Uh, but he said, I've got all these guys that were already established. And I was just working in the factory at the time. Graham Nash was sitting right in front of me, just offering his support. Steven Stills was playing. And there was Booker T and Al Jackson and Donald Dunn, all of the MGs except Steve Cropper. Um, and they were all these people with all this experience and all these reputations. And I was this factory worker just sort of puttering around. So with their general feeling was leave it like that. I just left it like that. And, um, originally what it was supposed to be, and this is what I didn't realize before. Um, it was supposed to be a third verse. It, this is how you can tell, like you don't have to count to 26. If you know the structure of the song, it's literally the length of a full verse. So you can listen to the I knows and sing a verse over the top of it. And when it gets to uh, when it gets to what would be the last two lines of the verse, that's when he says, hey, I ought to leave the young thing alone. There ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I can prove it. You want me to roll it? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's see if I can find the I knows. Let's see if we can pull them right back in here. And I know sunshine when she's gone. Darkness every day. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. She's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. So it's just the length of a verse. Pretty interesting. Um, So now. I'll know. I've never, you know, you can hear it coming because you memorize it. And so you know what his voice is doing right before the end of it. But first of all, I've never bothered to count to 26. Why would you ever do that? Um, and if you were playing with a soundtrack instead of hearing him underneath you, exactly, like you if could, you've got your cassette soundtrack in, you yeah. put it in, you're like, 
I didn't come prepared to sing here at church, <laughs> but I'm going to put this in. You pull it out of your pocket, and uh, yeah, you don't have to count. No, uh-uh. you can just yeah, exactly get yourself through that. Or if you had a guitar and you were playing with it, you could just play, you know, play the chords underneath. Um, but yeah, so it was supposed to be a third verse, and everybody was like, I think it kind of hits like that. Like you should just leave it. It's cool, and uh, so he did. Um, it's you know, I always thought it was just kind of an arbitrary, um, you know, thing that it was like it was an intentional cool thing that he was doing but um or, or maybe i and i, I kind of just always thought that maybe the band as they were recording it wasn't set when he was going to do it you know i could hear him in like different live settings going longer or shorter just depending on how he felt at stretch the moment. it out yeah and maybe they were just waiting on his vocal cues hey, the, leave the young thing. but or the head nod yeah but no it was planned it was supposed to be the third verse um so that's, that's pretty interesting he was a uh, thirty-one at the time. Did you see that? He was yeah, making, he hit pretty late for his first. And he was making toilet seats for the seven forty-seven airplanes. Did you see that thing? Yeah. It, when the song went gold, he was presented a gold toilet seat. <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. They gave him a gold toilet seat. So Congratulations, was, you made it. Enjoy your your gold uh, toilet seat there. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the album. Did you look up anything on the album? Other tracks on the album? Uh, and, go for it. Uh, the there's a cover of Let It Be. On there, oh. the Beatles song, yeah. Let It Be. Also, the track Grandma's Hands. Did you look that up? I did. I was unfamiliar with the song, but boy golly, do I know part of it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I looked it up to listen and kind of make fun. I was like, okay, Grandma's Gra- Hands. This is going to be hilarious. Yeah. But it's actually pretty good. It is pretty good. And there's a sample. There's a very famous sample at the beginning of it. I guarantee you, you know, uh, you know the first... Two seconds of Grandma's Hands by Bill Withers. Here it is. Yep. You heard him right. That is the very same sample that you know from No Diggity by Blackstreet. Uh, that came from Grandma's Hands <laughs> by Bill Withers. Yeah. It's sped up just a little bit, and it's in a slightly higher key. Uh, just spin the record faster, and uh, <laughs> this is what you get. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I like the players. No dickity, no doubt. So yeah, that is a a very you know very popular, well known sample. I had no idea it was Bill Withers, and definitely had no idea it came from a song called Grandma's Hand. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Which is which is just you know literally like the true story of his grandmother's hands. Yeah, There's, it's sort of like Grandma's hands did this, and Grandma's hands prayed, and Grandma's hand you know like okay, all right, cool. It's like he loved his grandma, man, and it was evident in the way that he sang about her hands. Any other sample stories, <laughs> sampling you want to? Let's talk about sampling. This is something, we're, we're three episodes in, and we've done some hip-hop and some R&B. We really haven't talked about sampling yet. Um, but So sampling is the act of basically taking a snippet from a song and, um, and using it as a as an element to another song or in some cases using it as the main as the song. Yeah, yeah. As the main song. So, um, that's not done as often now as it was say in the late eighties, early nineties mm-hmm. in hip hop, but like there for a while, um, like, let me just give you, let me just give you a couple of examples here. Let's talk about maybe, um, how about purple rain by, I'm sorry, not purple rain. Um, how about when doves cry by kiss? Print. What am I talking about? <laughs> what just happened? I have no. I was thinking, I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. You know, he's got he does kiss too, but oh my gosh, what is happening? Hang on. Here's <laughs> when doves cry by Prince. Let's take a listen. Jeez. We'll just edit it. 
Okay, so what would happen, like back in the day, is somebody would just take that whole track uh, and they would go, oh man, that sounds cool. I'm just going to rap over it. They would take like a whole song and they just pick up the beat and be like, I'm going to rap over it. So like MC Hammer would go. We got the break just to make it today. Okay, so he's literally just taking basically all the music from from when Doves Cry and made you know pray. I got another MC Hammer one, right? Another, yeah, absolutely. So uh, MC Hammer's probably most most famous song, I guess, is is you can't touch this. Um, and uh, so here's here's his original. Uh, you can't touch this original. You can't this touch song. this. You can't touch this. I mean, we know that baseline. Uh, yeah, that, that, that that's unmistakable baseline. Uh, that is Super Freak by Rick James. If you've literally never heard it, uh, let's take a listen. Here is here's Super Freak by Rick James. So, in the early days of sampling, sometimes the the original, if there was a clean. Uh, recording, you know, of the album where it wasn't, it didn't have other instruments on top of it. Like drum grooves are the most sampled things, you know, period, but literally whole stacks of, of, of instruments and stuff would be used in some cases. Uh, sometimes they would be like re-recorded. in the case of, we talked a little bit about vanilla ice sampling queen, uh, but that or was just stealing from uh, queen. Or just literally ripping them off and claiming that he didn't. Um, but that was, you know, a re-recorded bass, you know. So he took the line, he took the music, he took the intellectual property. Changed one note. Robert Van Winkle. Um, he took it and, yeah, added one note and said it was his. Um, and in the in the early days of hip-hop, it was the wild, wild west. There was no regulation on this. It was just common practice and people did it. And then original artists started going, you know, that's really mine. You should probably have at least consulted me and maybe paid me for this. And so now it's, you know, it, there are laws protecting the original artists, but for years, you know, sampling just went on wildly and it's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not saying at all that it was a bad thing. Probably um, my favorite rap song ever is sample regulator by oh, yeah. Warren G. Yeah. That's a Michael McDonald from, song. Exactly. Uh, I keep forgetting. Um, that's the name of the song. Not, I keep forgetting the yes. song that it was sampled from. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, you know, there's just tons and tons. I think we talked maybe in season one about uh, Jamie's Crying by Van Halen, and it has the drum intro uh, from Jamie's Crying is the for Wild Thing by Tone Loke. It just, it was, it was just common, you know. Um, they would find a drum, drum groove that they like. Uh, the, the, there's a list of like the most sampled, you know, tracks, and, and it's almost all just from drum grooves. Um, the, the most popular sample is called the Amen Break. Um, and it is a song called, uh, it's from a song called Amen Brother by the Winstons. And that's why it's called the Amen Break. But uh, take a listen to these drums and, uh, and you'll be very familiar. I'll be super surprised if you're not familiar with the sound of these drums. I mean, if you haven't heard those drums in every Fat Boy Slim song, you know what I'm saying? Like it's they're they're all over the place. That's the most sampled song because of because of the drums in that song. Uh, other you know wildly sampled songs uh, include um, um, 
Funky Funky Drummer by James Brown. Um, there's all kinds of them out there. Uh, Lynn Collins, Think About It, which I wasn't familiar with, um, but once I once I did hear it, I was like, oh yeah, I, I know I know what that's from. Hang on. Did Did you know the California Love was the sample from a Joe Cocker song? Did you know that? No. There's a song called "Woman, Woman" by Joe Cocker. Look it up. What? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that either until um, you know I was listening to some of my favorites, and this is one that that I didn't know. But check out "Woman, Woman" by Joe Cocker, and uh, I shouldn't have given the giveaway, but I'm so shook. I'm sure Phil Grande knew that, but dang it. Oh my word! I had no idea. You know, Tupac and Cocker are up there breaking it down together right now. Oh my word, just spitting fire. Oh my goodness, no, I had no idea that was a Joe Cocker sample. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, that makes me so happy. Like, that really just brought that song full circle to me. We're both big fans of California Love. Eventually, probably we'll, we'll do we'll it probably one day do on the it. show. Um, man, goodness, that's awesome, dude. That made me so happy. Okay, well, that leads me to, you didn't know this was coming, but I had a separate side conversation on Joe Cocker that I wanted to have. Roll it. About this episode. No clue. Um, because this, this, uh, this song has a great many covers, as it should. Like, it, it, this song deserves to be covered and done by as many people as possible. It's so cool. Um and so I came across a Joe Cocker cover of this song. Okay. Um, and I, I, I had the thought, is Joe Cocker the greatest? Uh, uh, these could be two, two, two different categories, but I'm going to present both. Is he the greatest slash most popular cover artist of all time? Every, like every popular song, not every, but you know what I'm saying? Most of his repertoire is cover songs. Okay. Okay. He's got a couple With a little of, help from my friends. A little help from my friends is the one that broke him. You know what I mean? And and a, a ton of his songs that you know from him are actually cover songs. Um, and I and I was wondering, he he does it just about better than anybody. He interprets it, makes it so different. It's different. A than lot that. of them are, you know, they become so him that you forget that they were covers or that you don't realize that they were covers to begin with. Um, but I think now a lot of like classic, like soul artists, Aretha Franklin's got covers of everything. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, but I think, but Joe Cocker is, it's different. If, you know, um, if John Mayer does a cover, it's, it's the exception rather than the rule, mm-hmm. right? Okay. He, he, you know, he'll put, he put, you he know, does a cover of this. That's actually really good. There you go. Okay. So, so John Mayer, there you go. So, but that's, you know him for stuff that is his originally. Mm-hmm. Joe Cocker really didn't write, he didn't write his own music. He only did stuff that was written for him, which is not uncommon. There are a lot of artists that still do that now. He's kind of like a wedding band guy. Yes. He's like, if he shows up, he's Joe Cocker. Oh man, all time best wedding best band. Best wedding singer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Joe, and, and he dressed for it, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a wedding singer. Yeah, man. I just put him in a whole other We whole need to get him to sit me. in with biscuits and groovy in heaven <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll hang in. <laughs> JP and I have a wedding band. It is called Biscuits and Groovy. That's right. And, uh, it is awesome. Hello, Chad Cochran and Brando. And Brando and occasionally Jansen Furrow, uh, big guest on the show. So And yeah. Crystal. And Crystal, my wife. Um, yeah. So I think, is there, I was trying to think of other artists who are as big as Joe Cocker. Like Joe Cocker is, and we talked about this with Phil Grande in season two, 
we believe he deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that he's had that level of career. And I certainly think that's true. Um, and I, I have no doubt that eventually he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But is there anybody else that's on that level that you would think Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy for covers? For doing covers. Yeah. Because well, you think, think about on his, it because I didn't prep it. His, his non covers, and I, I mean, really and truthfully, just about everything he ever did was a cover, but he, but you know, there are certain songs that he did first, mm-hmm. right? That then, you know, so like when the night when comes, the night but comes. when the night comes was a cover, it was Brian, Brian Adams. Adams song, I yeah, guess, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, like uh, Love Lift Us Up Where We Belong, that's about it mm-hmm. out of his well known songs that were not covers, uh, you know. So as an artist, he's he's primarily known for for his covers and i thought he's probably the best at that i can't think of anybody if you're listening out there shoot us a shoot us a tweet at great song pod and let us know if i'm if i'm missing somebody if there's an obvious one that we're just not thinking of like, yeah holy cow how are you not thinking of this guy yeah. or girl or yeah. band yeah like they do nothing but covers yeah. mainly just an artist though not right. so much a band. i'm not talking about i'm not talking about a youtube band and we're not talking about like weird al or right. some, yeah. not no, a parody. parody no 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 i'm talking about not a, mark lowry yeah <laughs> i'm talking about give me a music icon that is more iconic than Joe Cocker, whose repertoire was repertoire was primarily covers. I just thought it was an interesting side conversation uh, as we were talking about covers. So yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about man. You know what? We're we're about twenty five minutes into this thing, and we haven't met the band. Let's okay. Let's meet. Holy them. cow! Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. All right, we're going to meet the band uh, that hung out with Bill Withers on this. Um, we talked a little bit about Bill already, so uh, let's jump on to the guitar player, Stephen Stills um, from Buffalo Springfield and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Dude, this guy's the man. Um, his solo album is the only album in history ever to feature Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton on the same album. Whoa. If you're not a guitar superhero, you're the only one whose studio album had both of those guys wow. play on it. That's crazy. So that's that's money right there. Um, his hits, uh, Love the One You're With, is probably the biggest one. He was ranked number 28 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Guitarists of All Time. My favorite fact about him, all those are great, but I think this is so cool. He's the only person in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame history to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice on the same night with different acts. Was with that with Buffalo Springfield and with Crosby Stills Nash and Young okay. at the same night. Wow. That's that's a that's a great night. Dang. They're that. like bring a change of clothes. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have your moment with them and with them. Wow. So it's the Steven Stills show. So that right there. That's something. Yeah, so that's who that's who the other guitar player is. So if you're <laughs> right. if you're the guy playing guitar, you're like who do I want for the other guy? How about that guy? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, good job Steven on that. Um, bass is kind of, I know he talks about how Donald Duck Dunn played bass on this track. The other bass player on the album, um, was a guy named Chris Etheridge. Um, so both of them kind of get credit for this. Um, my, I want to talk about a little bit about Chris Etheridge because two reasons. He played with Nancy Sinatra, Randy Newman, and Jackson Brown. That's pretty cool. But he was in a band called the International Submarine Band, but their band name was just called IBS. <laughs> Which I think is a great well, band all right, then. yeah. So good job. What are some? I, I always think it's weird when bands become end up being known by um, their initials by the initials mm-hmm. that if you don't know the original band name, it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, we were I talking about Y and T is who we said for yesterday and today. What are some? Uh, we talked about like I think before we may have mentioned PFR. PFR, uh, yeah, pray, pray for, for rain. rain. Yeah, but if you don't know, most of what happens is 
you know, it's like if Chicago had become known as CTA, uh-huh. right? They were originally oh, Chicago, Transit, Chicago Transit Authority, Transit Authority. Like but the, only the first album said that. CCR. You know, yeah, CC, yeah, exactly. Um, but you have literal, like CCR never went as far as just being literally known by CCR. That's true. Everybody knows Creedence Clearwater Revival, but yeah. they were still. But but there are bands out there who are who are just known by initial monikers, you know, like ELO, E-L- right? Or, AFI. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just funny. I don't know. I don't know why that happens. I don't really like it. It's because it's like, it doesn't give me any insight into who you are. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Initials could be anything. Yeah. yeah. Or if like, you say the name. Yeah. Like, you know, you know where we're going with it. Exactly. That's good. Um, on drums, Jim Keltner drums on most of the Beatles solo projects. So oh, like really? he played drums on the George Harrison albums, most of those on the Lennon and the plastic Ono band stuff. He's the drummer on the majority of Ringo Starr's solo project. Huh? So if you're Ringo's drummer, come on Ringo, uh, there you go, come buddy. On. So Ringo's not going to play drums on his own project. No, if he's I guess not, Don Henley did the same thing. Guess, he eventually yeah. gave up the reins to somebody else. Jim, like, I'm too good. I'm a singer now. Yeah, I'm a vocalist. Come on, Ringo. <laughs> He's no Phil Collins. Who are we kidding? Yeah, exactly. The, uh, he did play drums on both of the Traveling Wilburys albums. Okay. Um, and so that being said, he also did stuff with Bob Dylan, Jack Bruce, Brian Wilson, Cheryl Crow. And recently, he played drums on Something Like Olivia, the John Mayer song. There you go. So he's still still relevant. Wow. Jim Keltner? Jim Keltner. Wow. Never knew him until I started doing my homework on Man, this. So. This research is just amazing. It's, we, just love we love it. this. So um, on keyboards and guitar, we talked a little bit about Booker T. Jones of Booker T. and the MGs. Did stuff with everybody, but Otis Redding, Albert King. Um, he, he played on Born Under a Bad Son. I didn't know Okay. Uh, Willie Nelson married Priscilla Coolidge, sister of Rita Coolidge. All right. Um, on percussion, Miss Bobby Hall. I can't believe we haven't talked about her before, and if we have, and I just forgot... I can't believe it because she played percussion on 22 songs that cracked the Billboard Top 100. Listen to all this stuff. She played with Carole King, Temptations, Marvin Gaye, toured with Bob Dylan on his biggest tour. Okay, she played percussion on The Wall. She played uh, percussion with Bob Seger in the 80s. She played percussion on Me and Bobby McGee. Percussion on Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Percussion on Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight and Shower the People by James Taylor. Percussion on Saturday Night Special, Leonard Skinner. Percussion on Edge of Seventeen, Stevie Nicks. Good percussion on Don't Come Around Here No More, wow. Tom Petty. And percussion on Angel Eyes, Jeff Healy, wow. which we may put on our... Oh, yeah. But we've already covered Bobby Hall on that. I, I was like, what in the world? So, wow, man. This girl's a rock star. And that I love... It's always funny, you know, you think of like a symphony orchestra that has a triangle player, and that's all they do. And they make 60 grand a year to wait for their moment measure number 300 uh-huh. you know where they you know what i'm saying like you don't think of percussion that often it's often an afterthought in production work but it's so important like listen to the the, the number of songs that you even like hard rock songs and stuff like that that use shakers and tambourines you know like it's a joke like oh we need more cowbell literally gets said every studio session ever but like uh that stuff makes a difference in your production that there's no other way to achieve. You can't, uh, you know, there's something that a tambourine does to a track that you just can't mimic with anything else. And to find somebody who can, who can do it well, uh, is, you know, is, is beautiful. It's and awful. stay in their lane, like yeah. not overplay. Yeah. I, so many times if I've like got a friend that I would like to do something on our worship band and you friends that are listening, I'll be like, Oh, you want to just come play percussion? Cause you know, anybody can pretty much clap or, yeah. you know what I mean? Play bongos, congas, whatever. Um, shaker, but if you've got the wrong person yeah. doing that, 
My goodness. Oh, yeah. It'll it's destroy. Very dis- it can it's be distracting, distracting and, yeah. to the max. You're yeah, right. Oh, totally. Um, so the other drummer on the album on this, but they didn't play on this, was Al Jackson. And I got one Al Jackson story that I think's pretty neat. He was supposed to pl- fly to Memphis and Detroit uh, fr- from Mem- to Memphis. Uh, fly to Memphis, Memphis to Detroit. Wow, Prince and Kiss. Goodness gracious. Learning to talk, JP. Supposed to fly Memphis to Detroit. To record with a band called Major Lance. I'm with you now. Okay. On the way to the airport, he heard an ad on the radio about the Ollie Fraser fight, the Thrilla in Manila. Uh-huh. So he's like, oh, that's right. That is tonight. So he canceled his flight, and he's like, hey, called up two buddies. He's like, you want to go watch a screening of the fight with me at this theater? So they're like, yeah, we'll go watch this fight. Whatever. So that night, he goes back to his home because he's supposed to – his girlfriend, or estranged wife, we'll just say, at the time – thought he was going to be going on this flight, but he didn't take it. So he's like, well, I'll just go home. Well, that night, he gets shot in the back. Whoa. He's not even supposed to be there, and his estranged wife comes out running, screaming for help, and he's like, oh, my goodness. Well, it turns out later that the person that shot him in the back was the boyfriend of his estranged wife. So it gets crazier. Found out later that the boyfriend got shot by a policeman um, and another gun-related incident, like, right after that. Never wow. heard this story. It's like a Matlock episode. It really is. It's yeah. like he was supposed to go, take this flight, doesn't, goes and watches this fight, comes home, gets shot. Later, the person that shot him gets Get shot, shot by a cop. So, crazy story right there. So, wow. then I just got to thinking, you get one TV personality to help you crack a crime. Do you pick <laughs> Matlock, Columbo, Monk? Who is your, do you have oh, wow. your... Yeah. You know, I might go... Uh, can I go outside those Absolutely. lines? Absolutely. Yeah, I was just throwing some out that I don't know. I just was, first of all, okay, I, this doesn't count Magnum because he's. <laughs> he doesn't count because he's literary first primarily. Okay, but I would go Sherlock. Okay, like, no, that's good. You that's know what I'm great. saying? Like, get, just give me the the modern incarnation of of Sherlock, the 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 Bumbledart Cumblefart. Uh, version of yeah. Sherlock. Give me that. Which is um, ironic that at the time we're releasing it is about the time Will Ferrell and uh, yeah. John C. Riley are about to put up their That's version. That's true. Yeah, we're recording as this. It's going to be terrible. I love Sherlock Holmes. Man, and I love Will awful. Ferrell. I'm going to go see it, but it's it's going to be <laughs> awful. Um, but if you're listening to this now and that movie turned out to be great, we called it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, but if you're going to, yeah, like TV detective only. Uh, so that eliminates like Sherlock Holmes and, and Batman. You know what I mean? That's right. Go, I forgot it. Um, I'll probably go either Monk or maybe Psych. The guys, the guys oh, from yeah. Psych. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, Monk. Yeah, he's quirky and cool. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. That's cool. Need him. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the band. Um, that's awesome. That's man. That's killer band. You just go back to the like Motown era, the the mid to late sixties to the mid seventies of of like. Uh, soul R&B records it's just rich with incredible talent like just amazing talent um, let's talk a little bit about Bill Withers himself William Harrison Withers Jr. Uh, born July 4th salute 1938 in Slab Fork West Virginia population 202 wow big old thriving metropolis of Slab Fork, West Virginia. Well, he had two parents, so that means... Yeah. Me- right. yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing the math. Now, How many non-withers? Here's, get this, though. The population of 202, that's now. 
Okay. That's since it's been populated. <laughs> yes. That's so in 1938. That's where people go to live where Bill Withers was born. It's like, man, <laughs> yes. I'm moving. There right. used to just be yeah. 20 people here. Yeah. But those exactly. diehard Bill Withers fans yep. out there. That's right. They're like, oh my gosh. If we, we listen, if we crack 500 people, we're going to have to put in a stop sign. I know, you know, right. like, uh, but yeah, so born in Slavfork, West Virginia. It's a mining town. I bet there's so. a subway there. There's a subway <laughs> there's a, everywhere. There's a subway and two Walgreens. And by subway, yeah, exactly. By subway, we mean the restaurant yes. and, and two Walgreens. Two, That's right. Yeah. Um, awesome. yeah, Slavfort, West Virginia, population 202. Um, but it's a, it's a coal mining town. So it's probably an area that you don't necessarily want to live as far as air quality, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So most of and his noise. life, he was born there, but lived most of his life outside of town in a, in a, in a neighboring, a neighboring community. Um, he enlisted in the U S Navy and served nine years. So double oh, salute man born on July 4th, America, a, a veteran. Come on now. Come on, Bill. Uh, Interesting guy. He moved to L.A. in 1967, like you said, to start his music career. Um, and he, he kept his job assembling aircraft parts even after Ain't No Sunshine hit. Because And this gives you this gives you a clue. This is like foreshadowing, okay? He didn't really have faith in the music business to sustain him. Uh, and let me tell you, that's a smart move. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like all these people go broke. You watch like the E-True Hollywood story of whoever, and it's like their first album hits, and they immediately buy a $30 million mansion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, just hold off a minute. Let's see. You know what I'm saying? Like, audiences are fickle, man. Mm-hmm. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, and so he was like, listen, I'm going to keep my job making toilets for the aircraft, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see, you know, we'll just see how this plays out. That's a very, you know, like my dad is a coal miner kind of mindset, yep. you know? Um, so I, that's, that's pretty, good. pretty wise. That's slab fork for you. That's slab. Yeah. That's slab fork talking, you know? Um, so, but I think that's foreshadowing for some of his later career moves. Um, he has a handful of hits, you know, he's not, he's not uh, Billy Joel. Who's got like 50 songs that, you know, uh, but he, but his, but the hits that he does have, everybody knows all time classic. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's got, I'm freaking lean on me, you know, for crying out loud, uh, use me. I'm, come on that. It's a toss up. If you want to do almost this song or use me, if you're going to do a bill with song for, for play a little, use me. People. So they know what you're talking about. Absolutely. It's got one of the coolest. I'm not even sure what instrument this is, uh, at the beginning of this. It's a, you know, it's a, I don't know. It's just cool. Take a listen. He's just got this. Man, I love that. The same kind of relentless groove that you just can't get away from. You know, he doesn't try to impress you with his voice. He's like a baritone. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And his range like, is like, uh, he's like not even an octave. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to sit here kind of around home base uh-huh. and write these cool tech songs. His songs are short. Like this, uh, um, Ain't No Sunshine is barely over two, two minutes, minutes long. It's really short. Grandma's Hands is the same thing. It's like it's like three verses and done. There's no like, you know, you put a song together now and it's, okay, you got the opening hook and you've got this, you know, you got a bridge, bridge and you got, you know, uh, you got the the bill, you know, the big, yeah. Like it's whatever. It's all in there now and it's going to be three and a half minutes no matter what, at least. But he's like, 
you know, just boom, boom, boom. You could put a 30 second loop on and that's the song. Yeah. Like you could just keep it going and yeah. have a play and a stop. Yeah. And, it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it doesn't even, it's not even necessarily like verse chorus format, which is the standard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just, man, it could be this, just a bunch of verses. Here's the song. Yeah. It's, you know, um, really interesting. He liked to do things the way that he liked to do things. Mm-hmm. And that is what caused him uh, to have trouble with record labels later is because they kept, wanting to like mold him uh and 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 mold his music and he didn't want to be molded um and I'll, I'll talk talk about it in just a minute um but some of the other songs that he had he he did uh work with uh on, on uh, just the two of us just the two of us i mean that's bill what you just don't think necessarily lovely day uh and then the aforementioned uh grandma's hands um but he he grew tired of industry executives trying to tell him, oh, if you do this and that, you'll sell more albums, and if you'll you know if you'll let us kind of shape you as an artist this way, shape your songs, you know, um, do whatever, then you know you'll be you'll be more popular. He but he was like, just I want to do my songs, and that's that's all, you know. Um, and so what happened over time uh, was in 1985, he basically walked away from the industry and and hasn't done anything since. Uh, but what happened was he, you know, he hit his first success at, at 31, 32, his early 30s. And which is pretty late. For yeah. Some. Oh, yeah. I mean, normally it's like, oh, you know, well, I was working on the Disney Channel when I was 14 mm-hmm. and I put my solo album out when I was 17. And you know what I'm saying? Like grew uh, up. Most people grow up in it. Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of pop artists, you know, now it's early 20s. And, you know, that's it. Um, but uh, he, he said he had a life before music. And basically wasn't beholden to the industry. He he didn't need the industry to define like his self worth. And so once he stopped enjoying it, he stopped doing it, and he just walked away. He's like, I'm good, you know. I don't want to fight this fight anymore with record executives trying to make me into something. I'm just gonna just go be Bill somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's that's Slab Fork. Talking. I like that. Man. That is that is Slab Fork, West Virginia talking. Population two hundred two. Um, <laughs> It's respectable. He's like, let's make that 203. Exactly. Bill's coming home. Bill, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, how many people would do that? There's a, there's most of us, let's be honest, would just swallow what the record company was trying to do and, and say, you know what I mean? Well, it's, you know, I'll compromise, you know, to reach a greater audience and to, you know, fulfill my potential and, you know, all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he is, he had such a specific vision. And it's not like, Normally, you think of people who who are really um, like slaves to their own vision. You know what I mean? Really staunchly stand on their own, whatever. As like these great virtuosos, right? You think like Mozart, unyielding in his vision, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But Bill Withers is just writing these like two and a half minute, three verse songs about his grandma's hands. You know what I mean? But he cares so much about them being simple and what they are that he's willing to walk away yeah, the, from the industry that's making him rich. The thing I think that's cool too, to kind of, you're st- you're saying it, but I'll, I'll take it a step further is like most of the time people that are in the music industry, if they're like, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and they keep doing it. He was brazen enough about it to be like, I'm not going to, ke- I'm just, I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to keep doing this. Right. Like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Done. He didn't go start his own label. Mm-mm. He, you know, he easily could have, are you kidding? If Bill Withers had had a label, he could have easily gotten distribution and, you know, whatever, set it up however we want to. He was like, I'm good, man. I don't have to do this anymore. You know, whatever. I'm feel- if I'm not, if I'm not loving it, I'm not doing it. So 
you know, maybe he's out there making toilets. Maybe he loves now. toilet seat yeah. making. That's yeah, we're back. There's, a, there's a, a documentary that, honestly, I can't remember if I've seen it. And in doing research, I just didn't have time to either watch it or rewatch it. It's called Still Bill, which is also the name of one of his albums. It was the name of his second album, which is very, very in line. Still Bill. You know, I'm Still Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's always just Still Bill. And um, so that, uh, but there's, yeah, documentary on him if you, want to, if you want a little bit more on his life and his kind of philosophy into doing things. Uh, Even when he plays and does live stuff, I've, I've watched, that makes sense now. I didn't know all the stuff that you just told me, but. He just sits on a bar, you know, he sits on a stool, sits there with him and his guitar, yeah. and does his song. Yeah. And he's like, it's done. Yep. Yeah. Ta-da. That's it. <laughs> Ta-da. Um, he's like, he's kind of like if Ed Sheeran had never met a producer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Ed Sheeran, without, like, if you go see him in concert. He's his band. It's just him and his guitar and his looping pedal and, you know, his little vocal effects deal. And that's what it is. It's like, that was Bill Withers. He was, you know, like, I'm not saying Bill Withers was Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. They're so similar. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that same kind of thing. It's like, it, if Ed Sheeran had gone into the studio and said, no, I'm not using a live drummer and, you know, whatever, synthesizers and whatever. Like, this is how I want these songs presented. And, you know, forget you if this is what you want. Mm-hmm. I'll go switch labels or whatever I need to do to make this happen this way. So, really interesting. Um, he was inducted, Bill Withers, that is, not Ed Sheeran, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015 by Stevie Wonder, which I think is perfect, right? Like, there's that seems just about perfect. Um, but it, it led me to think of, of the question, if you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... Oh, man. Who would you, who would you want to induct you, and who do you think actually would induct you? Okay. Um, I would want uh, the Edge... Okay. To induct me yeah. okay. into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and it would probably be Carmen that inducted <laughs> me into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And he would say uh. something like, fear not, my child. You made it. <laughs> and I would be so disappointed. How about uh, you? Who would wow. be the guy you would want? Let me see if I can guess your want. Okay. All right. Van Halen? This, Eddie Van Halen? I think no. I think, Bruce Hornsby? Yes. It'd it would be, be Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce would be who I would want. Uh, who would it be? Who who I would actually get? Be my luck. It'd be Elton John. <laughs> it's such a consolation. No, I don't know. It, it probably. Um, oh no! It would like, be Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, <laughs> man, nailed yeah, it. It'd be like nailed it. We're gonna do a solo together. We're gonna do a guitar duet. Yep. You and me. Yep. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yuck. Now I, I want to quit. I want to go home. <laughs> Jerry Rafferty. I'm not doing this anymore. Jerry, Jerry Rafferty, Rafferty is inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Lindsey Buckingham would like to induct you into the Hall of Fame. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Jerry Rafferty. He's the dude. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about covers, and then we'll and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, we touched on got a little earlier. Some but... notable covers. Yeah, we got into a whole conversation about Joe Cocker. So obviously, he's got one. Who else you got? Um, Michael Jackson's got a, a weird one with the talking at the beginning. Yep. Have you heard? It's kind of kind of weird. On his on his first solo album, Little Michael Jackson. This is this is right. This is young Michael. A, this is uh, not elderly no, Michael. No, no. 1972 prepubescent uh, Michael Jackson's got to be their album. Uh, and the, it it charted in the UK, it hit number eight in the UK. The Rockamelons had one that peaked and peaked at number five in Australia. It's kind of weird because it's when he's gone. Um, it's always weird to me. When, yeah, when they when they it when flips. They flip it. Yeah, 
My favorite video is, have you heard or seen the Black Label Society? Yes, I was hoping you were going to say that. Man, I love that one. Yeah. We can't do it justice. I mean, I guess we could play a little bit of it, but you want to watch the video on this to get the full effect. Yes. The video is basically them hamming it up so hard, and they're all like, they're all wearing this horse mask. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like awesome. The, yeah. It's, it's weird. And, and, um, it's basically, I don't know if the joke is like the whole first half of the video is horses sitting at a bar trying to drink and they, <laughs> they can't because they got right? the mask. They, yeah. So I don't know if there's like a joke about leading a horse to water, but you can't make it drink or if it's just, they're just being it's, man, goofy, it's, it's amazing, but it's hilarious. Well, Black but, label society. If you don't know, is kind of a, it's kind of a power group, like a you know, it's it's Vinnie Paul from Pantera and Zach Wild from Ozzy Osbourne Everybody. and others. Yeah, um, but yeah, their version. I did want to play. I wanted to mention one thing about their version because I, honestly, I don't know who their who their vocalist is, but I don't know if there's something wrong with him or what. But it's like he doesn't pronounce enunciate the letter S at any point in this song. It's like, you just just take a listen to this for just a second. I'm going to find a couple spots here that really accentuate. It's like he's scared of the letter S and just <laughs> won't say it under any circumstance. Hang on just a second. Isn't that weird? It's like, I don't know if he has like a speech impediment. I'm not making fun. Like, it makes me wonder if literally. He thinks S's are Y's it's like he, or you know, I can't even do it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that. Like, I can't do it without sounding like I'm trying to make fun of somebody. Yeah. So I, I never I, noticed that. I don't know what the deal is. It's like, it's like he's. I don't know how I didn't notice that before. And now I can't unnotice it. Yeah. You know, it'll be like that. You know, yeah. Like, it's so weird. It's like there's so much, there's so much over the top rock voice coming out that it just overwhelms the S's. It it wraps itself over the S's and chokes them out. Of I wonder the song. if it's a filter or an edit or a. That's, it sounds like, so there's a, there's a, there's a filter called a DSer, but it's, it's essentially to. It's cranked up all the way. <laughs> it's just set to like, there's like five DSers stacked on that track. <laughs> and it's, but it's, you know, it's to like overcorrect if you're, if you've got a mic that has a lot of sibilance. Yeah. Uh, that it takes some of that out but i don't know what it is it's so weird it's literally like somebody sat at a fader while they were playing it back and every time there was an s they just pulled the fader down real quick and pushed it back up so weird but yes check out the video for uh you know sunshine by black label society it's funny that we mentioned ed sheeran because he's got a pretty good one the live on the colbert show that makes sense not bad yeah um and it's funny that yeah he could he could so do that the best version i I said it earlier i like the john mayer cover of it it's pretty good solid um, there's there's one other that I, I want to mention because we're never going to get to mention this song <laughs> ever, and it's it's a um, it's a partial cover. It was used as basically the introduction to the video um, for "Candy Rain" by Soul for Real. Do you remember? Do you remember this song? It is. I'm talking about a blip on. It is a a blip on the timeline of '90s you know pop R and B history, um, but. This is one of those deals where, like, you ever hear an artist, we've all, I feel like everybody's got an artist that they knew from the first time they heard them, they're going to be huge, right? Okay, you hear their first song, like, first time I ever heard Counting Crows, I went, that's going to change my life, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I was dead right, you know what I'm saying, to this day. Um, I had that same feeling about Soul For Real, and that would be be the number four, by the way, that's Soul For Real, Um, and this song, Candy Rain, I took took one listen to this song and one look at this kid, and I said the exact same thing the people that signed him did, I guarantee you, they said, he's going to be the next Michael Jackson. 
I literally said that with my actual whole mouth. <laughs> I said to to a person that is going to be the next <laughs> Michael Jackson. Uh, and but anyway, let me play a little bit of the actual song. The, the track starts out with their covering "Ain't No Sunshine" at the very end of it, um, and then I'll play you a little bit of the song so you can maybe it'll jog your memory a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. So we're in like the boys to men era here. You know what I'm saying? So they get into it, but then here comes the actual song. Hey. You remember this? I don't think so. Oh, man. Sorry. That's too bad. You're missing out, dude. So for real. Candy Rain. All my peeps out there. This is the kid, I thought. Next, Michael. I don't know why. He's sharp for like half the song. I don't know why I thought he was going to be the next Michael Jackson. But <laughs> pre-auto-tune days are pretty revealing. But... uh Anyway, I thought that, but that was a swing and a miss for me. You got any of those? Either somebody that you swing nailed or somebody, or somebody that I thought up. was going to be huge. All right. Uh, the, the one that I feel like I kind of nailed band called the 1975. Oh. Um, they're big now. First time I heard them, I'm like, okay, those guys are going to be awesome. Yeah. And the one that I sadly missed, but the first time I heard Robbie Wade and Crimson Guard, <laughs> Come on now. I thought those guys are going to be the biggest oh, band ever. Man. Oh, yeah. man. They those, never made it. They didn't quite, quite crack it yet, but Something you guys happened. are still, you guys are still about to break it out. I think they got too famous too fast. They did. That's right. And then just fell like meteorites. That's right. You know? <laughs> just yeah. that one show. And <laughs> this it, is the one. <laughs> it it was like, it was like peaked with the one show in the parking lot at, at the Pathway, Pathway Bookstore. Store, I was like, that's going to be the greatest band ever. Yeah. And then just nothing. So, downhill after that. Man. Shout out. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Great Song Podcast. Thanks for listening wherever you are. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, all over the world, worldwide. Woof, woof. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, go to greatsongpodcast.com. You can get the full uh, all season three archives, all that stuff. We got some great merch that you can pick up now if you want to do that and support the show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Everybody who's out there buying shirts and hoodies and all that kind of stuff. Um, join us on Facebook, on the Facebook group, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. Hit us up on Twitter, at Great Song Pod. We're all over the place, except for Instagram. Screw that. Don't find, <laughs> you ain't going to find us there. We're not doing it. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week as we continue with black history month here on the great song podcast. Until then I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. And I know, 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 Sunshine when she's gone Only darkness every day
Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. 